Hey, get your Bibles open to Mark chapter 16. We've been going through Mark 14, 15, and 16 these last couple of weeks, and very excited to be with you here in Mark 16. Again, welcome to all those maybe tuning in online, and uh, excited for what the rest of this day has as well, as we seek to do some outdoor services too, and see how all that goes. It's going to be pretty exciting. Lord, would you use it? So, uh, this will be on the screen for you as well, for those at home or elsewhere, but Mark 16, let me just read verses 1 and 2, and then I want to jump right into our text today. It says this, When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, bought spices so that they might go and anoint him, that of course being what they thought was the body of Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, Sunday, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Again, I want to jump in right away. Okay, here's our first observation from our Easter passage today. It's this. They arrived in mourning. Not time of the day, the state of their grief. They arrived in mourning. So as we always seek to do, live in the text of the Word of God. Imagine the emotion of that first Easter weekend. Imagine these women that are mentioned several times. Imagine the closeness of relationship that these women would have had with Jesus. All these women here are mentioned twice in our surrounding context. The two Marys are mentioned three times in the verses that surround, again, our passage. I mean, right away we're seeing what God is making clear, the prominence of women in regards to being witnesses of the resurrection. Wonderful, remarkable, amazing. The faith that filled these women as they would have watched the power of Jesus' life. The perfect love they witnessed Flood from the heart of Jesus Christ, calling himself the Son of Man and the Son of God. Think of all the things these women would have witnessed, the miracles, the life change, the joy emanating from Jesus, the hope, the love, all the love they would have seen, perfect display of love, a man they are walking with over many weeks and months who never sinned once. How they must have felt with Jesus over these days, weeks, and months. They have never seen a man like this. I mean, without a doubt, the most joy-filled time of their lives, second to none. To be close to him was to sense satisfaction and peace and joy. But then the sudden and devastating turn of events I mean, for them, seemingly out of nowhere. The excitement of what they anticipated, again, a Passover, a time of remembrance, a time of celebration for the Jewish people, suddenly turned to tragedy. Jesus, not only arrested, but falsely accused. Not only that, but beaten, tortured, scourged. He warned them that this would happen, but they did not understand. They did not listen as they should have. Then the immense pain that these women, they would have felt as they watched the excruciating pain and suffering as Jesus hung on the cross for hours as they stood at a distance and the grief and the mourning that began to overcome them. As they stood at a distance and they watched their, again, this teacher 
and who they thought would save them from that present day in ways, again, they didn't fully understand. They listened to his words and the sorrow they would have felt as he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The wonder they would have had on hearing him say, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Or Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. The amazement and bewilderment they would have felt as Jesus cried out, it is finished. Not only this, then they witnessed the incredible act of this massive earthquake. The sky going completely black. The very power of God ripping through the temple, the word that would have spread so fast throughout Jerusalem, other people being raised from the dead. But then just like that, it was, it was over. Just like that, it was done. Jesus of Nazareth, he breathed in his last. He was gone, no more words, no more breath, no more comfort, no life. Just gone. He's gone. Feel their sadness, church. No one loved them more. They never felt more loved. They never felt more secure than when they were around Jesus of Nazareth. But he was gone. But being the beautiful, faithful women of devotion that they were, they wake up very early, the text says, on the first day of the week. Think of this, how agonizing the Sabbath must have been for them as they were forced into inactivity and they could not see closure, the desperate closure they wanted so badly on that first day after he died on the Saturday. The sun rises on the Sunday and they approach the tomb. Again, the sadness they must have felt as they walked. Imagine the disappointment they had felt. Imagine the massive sense of loss. The grief, the sudden quiet and loneliness that would overcome them, the devastating loss of hope that would be so real to them. Saying to themselves, did this really just happen? We were sure it was going to end differently. They arrived to the tomb on that first Easter Sunday morning. They arrived in deep mourning. I think we transfer, transfer some of this even to our day. Some of us can relate in our own way. Maybe not exactly like them, but our own way. The great sense of loss. The great disappointment. Some here right now, some listening, some watching right now. A true sense of mourning over this past year, past several months. Grief, sadness, and mourning can be very real in this life. Again, some of you are here, have arrived this Easter morning. Flooded with disappointment, grief, loneliness. Sensing a great loss of hope. For so many in our world right now, hopelessness is Running the day, mourning over something or someone is very pervasive in our day. But listen, we're so thankful that the Lord led you here this day. We're so thankful the Lord led you here this day. And don't you go anywhere. Don't you go anywhere. Stay right there. Stay right here. There's more to come. They arrived in great mourning, observation number two. They anticipated significant obstacles. Look at verse 3 now on the screen for you as well. You can look at the word there. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone from the entrance of the tomb? 
and looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back and it was very large. So the women are seeking to find comfort in the only way that they know how. Let me just add this. Grieving is so important. Grieving is so important in life. They walked together. I imagine as the sun was rising, I imagine they were shedding tears together. As they approach, they don't really know what they're going to do when they get there because they're asking themselves, there's this massive stone there. How are we going to move this stone? We cannot move it. They're anticipating the obstacles standing in the way of what they desire to do. Again, the Bible goes out of its way and says this stone was very large. So it was very large. They cannot move it. They are restricted. They are confined. They are frustrated in apparent futility. What I do admire, though, I admire that even in their pessimism, there's still persistence. Even in their not knowing how they're going to do what they feel they need to do, they still show up anyways. Isn't that an awesome principle? Half of life, church, is showing up. All listening right now, I'm so glad you showed up. Half of life is simply showing up. And we're so thankful you showed up today. Because others, like these women, others would not have gone. In fact, others did not go. But these beautiful women, they did. Why? Something drove them to the tomb. Someone led them to go to the tomb. These women here recorded for all of history, these first witnesses. And we're going to see again in just a few moments. Look at how they are rewarded for their love. Even in their misunderstanding of what was happening, they are supremely rewarded for their love and devotion of seeking again the man that they loved so much and believed was their Savior. So many in our day, the seeming obstacles confronting us are massive. The anticipation of obstacles creates cynicism and doubt. So many right now across our land, so many right now, maybe across this room, it's too hard. It's too much. I'm too tired. It's too long. It's futile. I'm so frustrated. I'm growing weary. I can't do it any longer. The stone is too big. I can't move it. I'm not strong enough to move it. And many are saying, I give up. And yet, something in these women that keeps driving them to keep walking. Someone calls them to keep searching. There's a restlessness. They must keep moving. They must keep searching. They show up and they're not even fully sure why. And what's that all about? Because the love found within us often causes us in our searching to do things that don't necessarily make sense. Because we know we just are not where we're supposed to be. And so something in us calls us to more. And we show up to church and we keep pursuing someone beyond ourselves because God has placed eternity in the heart of every person. We don't have the answers. 
And yet we're searching for something again we know that needs to be answered. So many like that right now across our world. So many, maybe you. Maybe you right now. You showed up today. And you may not know even fully why. Yet you know already it's right for you to be here. It's right for you to be watching. And as they showed up, they discovered the unexpected. As they searched, they were surprised by what they found. Incredibly, they didn't have to remove the stone. It was already removed. Someone had gone before them. Questions begin to surge through their bodies, souls, and minds. Inquiries begin to flood and fill them as they look and behold the stone that is rolled away. They did not know yet, church. They did not know, but God was working behind the scenes. Listen, God had allowed the obstacles. God had ordained the obstacles. But that was because God was about to provide a way and to prepare a path for life-changing glory. And so often we don't see the life-changing glory without the obstacles placed in our lives. Because without the obstacles, then there's nothing for God to move for us. This is the power of the first Easter morning. They arrived in mourning. They anticipated significant obstacles. And thirdly this, they were alarmed or shocked with hope. Look at verse 5 now. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. And all God's people said, Amen. See the place where they laid him, this angel says. No, no, imagine the scene, okay? Imagine the scene that we just read together right there. Imagine being the angel appointed for this moment. In Mark's version, a young man dressed in a white robe. Okay, now, I'm not totally sure of my angelology right here, okay? But I have to imagine the angel was a little excited. Fair? Right? Right? Like, I have to imagine when he was given this commission, again, from the Father, that he was going to go and be the first one to bear the news. I have to imagine he would have been somewhat excited, right? I mean, that's a pretty cool assignment. The first one ever to say the words he has risen? Come on, like that's, I'm sure the other angels were like, me please, me please, right, like trying to, but he gets to do this. That is just awesome. The first time ever someone would say the phrase, he is risen. Think of the billions of times that has been said throughout history, and this young man as an angel is the first one ever to say it and to declare the life-changing reality that the world would never, never be the same from. Just awesome. So the women, they walk in, they see the angel, the text says they are alarmed. That word alarm is only found in the Gospel of Mark. It expresses strong fear and agitation. In other words, the women were terrified. Understandably so. The angel obviously seeing the kind of blood drain from their face and their fear and shock, he says to them, do not be alarmed. Of course, loved ones, that's in the category of easy for you to say, angel, young man. But again, seek to live in the text, right? Seek to live in the text, okay? This is so important. The absolute pain and devastation of Friday. 
the grief and utter loneliness of Saturday. How long Saturday? We always forget Saturday. The massive sense of loss in the first moments of Sunday. And then the utter astonishment of what occurs now on Sunday recorded in verse 6. Now we get there in a few moments, okay? But it's no wonder that verse 8 describes them as in fear and trembling and astonishment that seizes these women. They were trembling with astonishment. It seized them. What a moment. How amazing to put yourself there. This moment right here when the angel announces that words, this is the moment of the greatest turning point in the history of the world. But think about it. What is the ultimate source of their alarm? Why was it that they were so afraid? The angel, yes, but the content of what was being said as they left that tomb from verse 8, it was this, is that they were alarmed. They were utterly shocked with the message of hope. They were dead inside. They were grieving loss. And then the Holy Spirit comes again. The Father sends the angel, and they get a defibrillator of hope. Clear. Bam! And they resurrect them with the message of hope. And that's what Jesus Christ and the gospel does. Look at verse 6. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now that is a headline so needed, so needed right now, so needed, a headline that changed the world forever. A message, a shocking reception of hope. I love the simplicity of the angel's statement here. I want to break it down for us this Easter morning. Notice he says this, he says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, and isn't that the starting point of all true purpose and life? Jesus of Nazareth, the person who literally changed the entire world, the person who literally time is centered on. Jesus of Nazareth, to seek him is to seek life. To seek him is to seek eternal life. To seek him is to seek, again, life over death. To seek him is to know purpose and meaning and joy. This Jesus of Nazareth, the one who is the very son of God, Listen, no one should live this life without at least asking sincerely the question, who is Jesus of Nazareth? Any person of any wisdom, any person with any sense would at least find out the answers to the question of the most impactful, important person who ever lived when second place isn't even close. The foolishness to go through this life and at least not take a moment or a season to investigate the most powerful, impacting, beautiful person who ever walked this earth. To be able to say and answer, who is Jesus? John's gospel, Jesus answers that question this way. Who is Jesus? Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Only Jesus Christ can ultimately satisfy. Jesus Christ says, I'm the light of the world. Only Jesus Christ has the light of life to walk in the darkness of this world. Who's that for today? 
Jesus says, I am the door. Only through Jesus Christ do we gain entrance into heaven. There is no other way but through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Only Jesus Christ can lay down his life for us that we might be saved, that we might live forever. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Jesus Christ, though he die, yet shall, he will live. Only Jesus can defeat death. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Again, only through Jesus do we access the Father. Only through Jesus do we get to heaven. Jesus says, I'm the true vine. Meaning only Jesus of Nazareth grants us eternal vitality. Only Jesus Christ can give us the supernatural righteousness and sap and juice that flows from the vine into the branch attached to Jesus Christ to live forever. We must be able to answer the question, who is Jesus? It is so right and so good to seek him. The angel says, you seek Jesus of Nazareth. He says this next, who was crucified. Yes, Jesus of Nazareth suffered a horrible death of crucifixion because this is what he was born to do. He was born to die. He was crucified to bear our sins. To take my punishment and yours. He was sent as the Lamb of God, the sacrifice, to end all sacrifices. He was crucified to pay our ransom, to buy us back from slavery to death. He was crucified to atone for our sins, to make payment for. He was crucified to be our substitute, to die in our place. He was crucified to be our propitiation, to bear the wrath of God so that you and I would not have to. He was crucified. But then here comes the shock of hope. The angel continues and says, he is risen. He is not here. So as I read texts like this, man, just sitting on this and just trying to imagine this moment, it's so helpful to do that, it's so beautiful, it's so amazing to do that. I just have to wonder, was the angel smiling as he said it? Did his voice rise with joy and hope? Was there just this feeling of expectancy and complete gladness and just incredible victory as he said it? Imagine again, he is risen. He is not here. I mean, right there, get out the hope defibrillator again. Clear, bam, hope. These women, there they are, just injected and shocked with hope. Here's an image and a meme that was flying around this week. I loved it so much, I had to put it in the sermon for sure. You seen this this week? Yeah, lockdown never really worked around Easter, did it? No, it didn't. I just love that. I just love that. Amen. Look at that, eh? Amen, amen, amen. It's just like you try to lock Jesus down. Ain't no grave going to hold his body down. And you belong to Jesus Christ. Ain't no grave going to hold your body down either. You belong to, you want to clap for that? Amen. Let's clap for that. It's Easter. Amen. 
You know, I admit right now, like seeing, you know, 15% of you, man, I would like to get back up to 100% as soon as possible. I'm sad about that, but at the same time, here's what I know. You cannot stop Jesus Christ from doing what he will do. There's no lockdown shutting them the gospel. There's no lockdown that's going to prevent people from knowing Christ. Well, clap again, clap again. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. I love that. Nice try. Nice try, Stone. Nice try, Satan. Nice try, religious leaders. Nice try again, death. Nice try. You can't lock down Jesus Christ. Never, ever, ever. We'll do whatever we can to serve the Lord and he will continue to save lives. Wasn't that baptism video so awesome today? There you are, life after life after life after life. This year, being changed by the power of the gospel for the glory of Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about that phrase the angel says, he's not here. He's not here. He's alive. He defeated death, meaning his payment for sin was accepted by the Father. He's not here, meaning he has defeated Satan. He's not here, meaning he lives in a body that is now indestructible. Never, never to be taken by death again. By the way, this is offered to you today. Life over death. An indestructible body of glory soon to to come. Adopted into the family of God by grace through faith. You see, was this very moment the world changed forever the women were completely shocked in hope. And they would soon see for themselves a hope that defeats death. A hope that is indestructible and unfading. A hope that gives all who believe a reason to live. A hope that says and lives there is no fear in death. That is offered to you today too through Jesus Christ and his gospel if you accept it by grace and believing in him for the forgiveness of your sins. Hope is so powerful. I saw a commercial in the last few days. The financial planning commercial. One guy's doing better than the other. The guy's not doing so. He walks into the guy's apartment, looks around and says, wow, I mean, this is amazing. It's amazing what you've done, how much you've gotten in this world. And the guy's not doing so well. He says, well, one can only hope. And his friend turns to him, the guy who has the nice apartment and stuff, and his friend turns to him and says, he says, friend, hope is no plan. Pause TV. Turn to children and say, children, what is incorrect about that phrase? What is false about the phrase, hope is no plan? Here's why hope is the plan. Oh, yes, it is. Because Jesus Christ, by God the Father, has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And we have received an inheritance then waiting for us in heaven that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading again, awaiting to receive that when Jesus Christ returns for us. Oh, you better believe that hope is a plan. If you want your plan to be here on earth, fine. Get some financial planning for more treasures on earth. I'm going for the hope plan that gives me eternal riches in heaven forever. Hope is the only plan for life after death. We can play that commercial again if you want to, kids, but make sure you know hope is the plan for everlasting life. Amen? Amen. And this is Easter. Amen. Come again. Bless you 15% for clapping so much today. What an encouragement. What an encouragement. And it is though, isn't it? This is where we live. This is how we live. This is why we live. Just think, in a single moment, the entire world of these women is changed forever. In a single moment. This is what Jesus Christ raised from the dead does. When you believe, he changes your life forever. In a moment, 
It's the hope of Easter that turns our mourning into dancing, our despair into joy, that turns our obstacles, listen, into opportunities for life. Notice this Easter hope, notice for these women. The hope of Easter made the worst day of their lives instantly become the best day of their lives. Only Jesus can do that. Only Jesus can do that. You can take a young man in the baptism video today attempting to kill himself. Within moments, sees Jesus Christ never the same again, eternally filled with reason to live and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ flooding through his soul. Only the hope of Easter can do that. Wouldn't it be so awesome today if God got out his hope to fill it greater? Wouldn't it be so awesome today and he shocked some people? Clear. Bam! And they come to life with hope. Wouldn't that be so awesome? Oh, Lord, I want you to do it so much. So many of you, of your people, want you to do it so much today too, Lord. People will be alarmed with everlasting life. These women in this text, they were trembling with hope. Matthew's gospel says they left with great joy. They still had some questions for sure, but it wouldn't be long, man. They would be forever changed forever. I wonder, and I end with this, is your moment right now. Is this your moment? Maybe watching right now. Will Jesus Christ save you right now? Jesus, I beg you that you will save people right now. Romans 10.9 says this. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, notice the promise. You will be saved. You will be saved. Saved from sin. Saved from death. Saved from hell. You will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be, you will be saved. I wonder right now, sitting here, watching, you feel the love of God. You feel the person of God pursuing you today. His love pursues you today. Just like his love pursued these women he meets you in your grief. He meets you in your mourning. He pursues you because he loves you and he offers to you life eternal. Do not wait. Do not hesitate. Do not reject. Do not run. Fall. Submit. Embrace his life. Bow your knee. Maybe for the first time, maybe there's some here you've been seemingly a Christian for years or decades, but never truly repented and turned from sins. Maybe you first time you ever heard this message ever before. And this is your day in the Lord Jesus Christ. If God is working in you today, we're going to have a lower third right now come on the screen. And you can text simply the word Jesus. And in a way, you'll be texting Jesus himself. We'll get it. 
And you can text the word Jesus if you want to ask questions, if you want to embrace Jesus Christ in relationship with him forever. You can do that right now. Again, available all day long. You can text the word Jesus to that number, and we would rejoice to hear from you, to love you, to pray for you. Oh, God, would you work, church? Let's pray this Easter morning. Oh, Lord, we beg you that you would be saving lives today. Amen, church. We beg you, you'd be bringing salvation. We beg you, oh, Lord, that you'd be glorified right now, filling, filling person after person after person with the hope that is found in Jesus Christ, turning from sin and embracing by faith the life that is only found in Jesus of Nazareth. May it be so crucified yet raised from the dead that we might live. The living hope that has caused us to be born again to that living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh Lord, take today, use it so powerfully. Oh Lord, I pray move wonderfully all day long. I pray we would be setting our lives apart for the pursuit and love and glory of Jesus Christ. May it be so. May it be so we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, church. Let's sing loud. Let's sing with fervency and passion.